0: So I just wanted to introduce Jamie to you. Uh, Some of you may know her. Some of you may not know her. But Jamie Bowman is a minister, a speaker, and a writer. And she really desires to encourage and help others find their unique purpose. Um, She's been a good friend of mine for, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 years, something like that. I knew her husband before I knew her. Um, But anyway, Jamie is a wife to Martin. Oh, that's T. There's Jamie. Yeah, I was going to talk about tea earlier, and I didn't have that slide, so never mind. Okay. So Jamie, this is Jamie, and I swear, Jamie, did you, like, Photoshop your teeth or something? Because there is no way that anybody's teeth are that gleaming white. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, So anyway, this is Jamie and her family, Martin, and she's a mom to Micah and Jaden. And she's really an overall fun person to be around. If you've gotten to know her at all, she has a great sense of humor, and she always has crazy things happen to her, so she, she always has stories to tell. So I always think that's so amazing. Um, this is also an amazing picture of her. Uh, can you tell which one she is? I think they're, like, getting ready to save the day. I don't really know, but I found this on Facebook, and I thought it was funny. And this next picture is, like, one of my favorites... <laughs> It's, like, it's not quite a photo bomb, but look it. There she is. So anyway, I just wanted you to, to see the, the kind of silly side of Jamie and um, anyway, that's all I have for you. So welcome Jamie Bowman.
1: Thanks Denise. I do know Photoshop well. Well, hello everybody. It's really weird to be so high up here, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys. I've been looking forward to this night for weeks and... Just so excited to be here and spend time with you, my church family, and also some of you brought friends, and some of you are from other churches. And I'm just so thankful that all of you are here, and I hope you're having a good time tonight. But I don't know if you're anything like me, but anytime I hear about a women's ministry event, this thing happens to me. And I don't know if you can relate, but I get what I like to call women's ministry anxiety disorder. And this comes whenever there's an event where I will have to leave the safety of my home and put actual clothes on and go into the church building where I have to interact with people. And so I like to characterize this in the following way. You might have this disorder if you have nervousness that you might not have quite the right outfit, feelings of fear that you might arrive before your closest friends do, fear that you might be forced to do a craft, Anxiety that you might not remember somebody's name. Um, Nervousness that you might have to talk to someone you don't know. And a fear of tea in general. Anything like that might mean you have women's ministry anxiety disorder. And of course I'm joking, but I do admit that there have been times where I've been nervous about going to events like this. Can anyone relate or is that just me? Thank you. Okay. But then once we come, we get to know each other, and we laugh, and we're so glad we came. And so I hope tonight that it is a fun night for each of you, and that you are able to tonight overcome your women's ministry anxiety disorder. And from now on, we're going to have fun and look forward to it and not be nervous. And I also want to thank you for coming and braving Stormwatch 2014 to be here. I know, driving down Anza life or death, but you all took the risk, and you made it, and I'm so excited. So as you know, the theme for tonight is Steeped in Grace, but I have to warn you that nothing I'm going to say has anything to do with that. I'm not going to talk about tea. I'm not going to talk about being steeped in anything, but I'm going to talk about something that has been on my heart for a couple of weeks now. And as I was praying about this night, you know, um, Denise came to me and said that they wanted to do like a book release party. And I was so excited about that because I'm excited about the book. Of course, I want to share it. But I didn't want the event tonight to be just for moms. I wanted it to be for everybody, every woman, because I think that, um, you know, we need opportunities to come together and make new friends and, and be together. But as I was praying about tonight, I really felt like God wanted me to talk about being brave. And like I said, I know it has nothing to do with with necessarily being steeped in grace, but I wanted to share a little bit of my story with you tonight. And this is something I've never done before. What you're going to hear tonight is nothing profound. But at the same time, I've never shared what I'm going to share with you tonight. God has called me to be brave in some new ways. So the video that I showed you, Um, That was actually an aunt of the two little girls. I do not know her. But I thought that was so funny because I was watching the video thinking, why would she do something like that? And then I looked at the title of the video, and the title was Chop Chop, A Lesson in Courage. And it made me think that that truly was a moment of bravery for this young woman to let two little girls have scissors and makeup, and do whatever they want to her. And they were going to alter her appearance for about six months. So I want to ask you a question. And the question is, when was the last time that you did something brave? It doesn't have to be like that. But I want you to keep that in mind as I speak. When we think of bravery and of courage, we often think of hard battles. We think of other people we know. Maybe someone... Sorry, here's the title clip that I missed. We think of somebody who has um, done something valiant. We think of Wonder Woman. We think of Olympians. And we think of family members battling illnesses or tragedy. We might think of friends doing amazing things. Or if you have little girls and you hear the term brave, I'm sure you think of this picture. But I have little boys, and my little boys have no interest in going to see this movie about a redhead little girl and a talking bear. And I tried to get them to go, and they are still refusing, so I have not seen the movie Brave. But over and over, this theme... Keeps coming into my life. Do you ever have that happen where you're listening to the radio and something speaks to you, and then you go to church and you hear a sermon, and then you're reading the Bible, and it's like bam, bam, bam. And God seems to be speaking to us over and over about the similar types of things. And that's where this theme just keeps coming up in my life. But the problem is that I'm fighting against it because I don't want to be brave. Bravery means that I'm going to have to do something hard. And so every time I hear that theme, I get a little scared. Like, okay, what's going to (laughs) happen? I don't want to be brave. I would rather be safe. So I want to back up the story for you a little bit. When I was a little girl, I was very fearful. And in my earliest memories, I was hiding behind my mother's dress, trying to avoid the conversations with people I didn't know, trying to avoid... Everybody at church talking to me because my dad was a pastor, and all I wanted to do was be left alone and hide. And if that was to happen today, I'd probably be tested for some kind of anxiety disorder or some type of other disorder. But, you know, back in the, in the 70s and 80s, people didn't test you for stuff like that. So I was just considered a very shy child. I still remember that um, one time my dad had a special guest speaker come, And he wanted all the kids to come to the front, this special guest did, at the church on a Sunday morning. So every child ran up to the front except for me. And I immediately buried my head in my mom's dress and clenched onto her skirt, terrified that they were going to make me go up there. And sure enough, the pastor said, well, little Jamie... Why don't you come up here too? And everyone's eyes turned on me. And I still remember, I was probably six years old, I still remember the terror. And I buried my face into my mom's dress and I started to cry. And these little old ladies in the aisle start digging through their purses looking for candy. And everybody's passing me candy to get me to feel better. And that's probably where my addiction to sugar started. (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's kind of how my life was. I was just a shy kid. I didn't really do things that that would draw attention to myself. Well, fast forward to junior high. I was awkward. I was taller than all the other kids, and I couldn't hide anymore. My, the other kids made fun of me because I had very long, skinny, white legs, and they weren't bullying me. I'm not going to, you know, pretend that they were bullying me. They were just, you know, teasing me, but I was ahead above everybody else, and so I just couldn't hide like I hoped that I could and I had this best friend when I was 14 years old named Courtney and Courtney was the popular girl Courtney was beautiful she was popular she was involved in everything and I was like her shadow and I loved that role because she was so fun and so outgoing she was everything I wanted to be and so I could be her best friend and kind of tag along with her well courtney and i lived in a city in northern california called fortuna it's up near eureka Any, anyone know where that is <laughs> and okay and it's kind of in like a foresty wooded area and i was trying to describe the city to my boys because they they have never been there so i went on google maps and the coolest thing is you can like type in an address and it takes you there like today And it's so awesome. So I took them on a little walking tour of my city. And so this was my street that I grew up on. And my house was kind of over to the right. Um, Right now you see, like, I don't know what that is. But our house was torn down, so it's no longer there. But you kind of get the the feel. The difference is that today it's, like, pretty and manicured. And when I lived there, it was, like, tall weeds. And it it looked quite different. Anyway, um, so we lived near the forest. And there were plenty of places to explore. And days were a lot different way back then. I won't say how old I am. But anyway, we found, we, we would walk up my street, Carson Woods Road, and we found this old abandoned house. And it's no longer there, but this was right where it was behind that, that white tree. And at the time, this yard, it was fenced off and it had these weeds that were like 12 to 15 feet high. It was just gigantic. And in the back, we saw this abandoned shack. And it was like our dream to go explore this abandoned shack. And we were, we had wild imaginations, the two of us. We always pretended that we were like Anne of Green Gables or Laura Ingalls Wilder and we'd fight over who was more like her. And so we decided one day to get into that house. So we didn't tell my parents, but we took a walk and um, we ended up trespassing and we went, we went to like the side of the house, through all the weeds and everything, and we broke in. And it wasn't hard because the house had been abandoned for at least 30 40 years, so windows were broken, doors were open, everything. We walk into this house, and I just can't even explain it, and I wish I would have had my camera because it was something out of a movie. The second floor had caved in, and everything had been left exactly as it was the day these people left. And we didn't know what happened to these people, but thinking back, it was clear that maybe somebody had died, and the house was just left in disarray. We walked into a kitchen. There was boxes and cans on the counter. It was like somebody had been preparing a meal. The refrigerator was cracked open, and it was a refrigerator from the 1950s. There was an old crank washer and dryer, there was checks, thousands of checks and papers all over the floor, everything was strewn everywhere, it was a gigantic mess, but it was paradise to us, we felt like we had just discovered a hidden treasure and so her and I start shoving stuff in our pockets and and shoving stuff inside of our shirts anywhere we could get because we felt like we had just found gold and we loaded ourselves up and we took it back to my house and hid it and didn't tell anybody what we had done. Well, we were two brave girls. We weren't afraid of anything. Um, this is a little bit, I, you know, I wish I would have had a picture, but this is a little bit of what the house was like when we saw it. Um, these are some of the things. I pulled this out today. I still have these items, and there's my note. We found these old things in a shack on Carson Woods Road in September 1990. And the picture shows some of it. I had to throw some of it away a few years ago because it was so, like, I found an old medicine bottle that had medicine in it. And I kept it for, like, 25 years. It was disgusting. So I threw that out. But anyway, you see here, like, an old 7-Up can. There's a jar with some dried flowers, old deodorant, an old wallet. And then we found a piece of paper. And we found um, a school book dated 1909. So that goes to show you how old this house was, and that apparently these had been the kids' school books. This is a letter dated 1946 that basically says, a matter of great concern to you has been brought to my attention. I know you will want to discuss this with me from the health department. That's never a good sign. So that gave us a clue as to what had happened. So. Courtney and I were two brave girls. Nothing could stop us. And once you start being brave, your adrenaline rushes, you just want to do more. So we got a little addicted to exploring. We went back a second time for more, but we got caught. And a policeman saw us and told us to stay away, that it was dangerous. And a few weeks later, barbed wire fence was erected and a no trespassing sign. Even though he told us to stay away, we couldn't. (laughs) And we weren't afraid of anything. One time we snuck into an old barn by Courtney's house and, you know, we had no fear. We didn't care. We were trespassing. We, we had made up this story that, um, you know, this witch had lived in the house and we wanted to go explore the barn. So we go in the barn and, and we're just kind of snooping around and suddenly an, a, a hand grabs Courtney's arm. And starts screaming at her. And it's the old lady who lives in that house. And she starts screaming, what are you doing in my barn? And we ripped away from her and ran for our lives through a, a field that had a bowl in it. No joke. Ran for our lives. Jumped the fence and got out. So when Denise says I have stories, she's telling you the truth. <laughs> I do have stories. It was exhilarating because we had been brave. And so, like I said, once you start doing stuff like that, it gets to be a little addicting and you want to do more and more and more. And I could just go on and on with our stories. But what I'm trying to say is that naturally I wasn't very brave, but inside that bravery was there. And as long as she was with me, I felt safe. Her and I could do anything. And we didn't care if we got in trouble. We didn't care if we got caught. You know when you're 14 and you get caught trespassing they kind of let you go but when you're 18 you get sent to jail so at some point in late high school my courage began to dwindle and I started to become afraid of getting in trouble of getting lost of breaking a bone and you know I became a little bit uh, less courageous and she wasn't with me anymore at that time because I'd moved away so Maybe some of you can identify with that bravery that you have when you're younger, but something happens to us as we get older. We grow up and we try not to make stupid decisions anymore. But growing up is hard because you start to experience life and you see things and you get hurt by people and then you start to lose some of that innocent wonder. And I see this happen to a lot of us as women. We're grown up, we've matured, we've experienced life, we've been hurt, maybe we've been betrayed, we've lost people we love, and every time something like that happens to us, we start to guard ourselves a little bit more, and we put up walls to protect ourselves from getting hurt. We get nervous trying new things, we hold back ourselves from new people that we might meet, we're afraid they might not like us, they might judge us. And then we become cautious in our activities, in our jobs, and even in our dreams. And before we know it, we have built this wall around ourselves and we get stuck inside of it. But I really believe that God wants us to be brave again and to find that bravery that we used to have. He wants us to step out from behind those walls we've built, take his hand, and trust him again. There's a lot of different kinds of bravery, but I want to focus on two. And the first one is everyday bravery. Now, everyday bravery is things that happen in our daily life that just require us to be brave. Like you came tonight. That was an act of bravery for many of you. Driving in the rain is an act of bravery for some people. You're brave when you start a new job. You're brave when you quit a job. You're brave if you stay home with your kids. You're brave if you work. You're brave if you are married. You're brave if you are single. Bravery happens to us every day. So why is that important? Well, God calls us to be brave. He calls us to be courageous. God doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want us to be afraid of what people think. God doesn't want us to be afraid to try new things or to meet new people. He wants us to walk with confidence, knowing that he's with us every single day. And when we are confident that God is with us, we can face anything with bravery and with courage. But a lot of times things happen to us, and our first response is not bravery or courage, it's fear. And it's this constant battle going on inside of, inside of us. How many of you faced something this week that caused you to feel fear? Anybody? Okay. Me too. But I want to make a point here that you don't have to overcome your fear in order to be brave. You just have to do it afraid. You just have to do it. Take one step at a time. So let me give you an example of everyday bravery. Some of you know that I have an intense fear of the dentist. And... It probably has something to do with the fact that when I was younger, my parents made me go to the Loma Linda Medical Center to get all my dental work done. It was a school. So I had to go into this um, dental school as, you know, an eight-year-old, and there's like a hundred people all having work done. And you're sitting in a big room with all these people. And it was scary. And sometimes they mess up. That's the other thing. And I had a lot of work done in my mouth. So, anyway, I think that's where that probably came from. But this week I ended up at the dentist because I felt a loose tooth in the back of my mouth. And that is never, ever a good sign. So, most of you can go to the dentist and it's like no big deal. But for me, I have to prepare myself mentally. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, to go to the dentist. It's like an ordeal. I text at least 10 people and I say, Can you please pray for me? I have to go to the dentist. I'm shaking. I don't know what to do. When I was pregnant, I had to have a root canal. I brought my pillow and my blanket, and the dentist was like, Are you okay? (laughs) So Monday, I go to the dentist and I'm physically shaking. I'm so scared. And as Old as I am now, I have not overcome this fear. Now, I have an amazing gentle dentist in Torrance who sat me down and took an x-ray, and she gave me some really bad news. She said, you need to have this tooth pulled, and you're either going to have a hole in your mouth, or you're going to have to get a bridge or an implant. And for someone like me, that was like the worst news in my entire life. So when she told me that, And she walked away, tears filled my eyes, and I thought, this is my worst nightmare happening right in front of me right now. So earlier that morning, Monday, this is like five days ago, I had also started a brand new job. Another nerve-wracking situation. Starting a new job is scary, it's tough, there's like this whole learning curve, and so I was like, all, you know, built up from the job and went straight to the dentist. So by five o'clock that day, I got home and I put my pajamas on and I was done. And I took a shower and I just had to have a conversation with God. And I was like, God, why? Why is this happening to me? And I felt God telling me, you don't need to be afraid. You've had two babies. You've had major surgery. You've had lots of root canals. You've started multiple jobs before. This too shall pass. And it was just like, Yeah, I guess you're right. Each day, all of us face different situations that to us are nerve-wracking and can cause fear. And I just want to encourage you that you are already brave. You don't have to look at other people and think, oh, they're so brave, I wish I could be like that. The truth is you are brave, whether you know it or not. And I, like I said earlier, I think there's this misconception that to be brave, you have to overcome your fear, but that's not true. Being brave is what allows us to move forward through our fears instead of being stuck in them. So there's another type of fear, I, I mean another type of bravery that I want to talk about, and that is supernatural bravery. Supernatural bravery is a courage that comes only from God to do tough things and tough situations that we don't feel we could do on our own. And anyone can be brave every day. You don't have to have a relationship with God to show bravery. But supernatural bravery will take your life to an entirely new level because you're able to face the situations with a courage that you would not humanly have. So I want to share with you a quick story that I know many of you know, but it's found in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And it's the story of Peter walking on the water. And just to give you a little background on Peter, Peter was a disciple of Jesus who wasn't normally afraid. He was very impulsive. Peter is the one that like cut off the soldier's ear when someone tried to arrest Jesus. So he comes across as kind of bold and his name actually means rock. But in this story, he's afraid. And I want to read it to you. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So a few points I want to make about this story. Jesus sent his disciples out on a boat late at night. And they were out in the water for a very long time before the storm kicked up. The Bible says it was about the third watch of the night, which was about 3 a.m. So they're freezing cold. They're tired. They're probably hungry. And they're feeling alone because Jesus basically just left them. And this huge storm comes up, and they begin to fear for their lives. But this is the weirdest thing to me. They were right where God wanted them. They were where he had sent them. Jesus told them to get into the boat and to go into this dangerous situation. But I think that was because he wasn't afraid of the storm. They were afraid of the storm. So they're in the middle of this huge storm, and Jesus starts walking towards them. And if you've ever seen pictures of of Jesus or Peter walking on water, it looks like this cool, calm, serene lake. This is not the situation in this story. This is It says the boat was buffeted by the waves. You know, this is like a huge storm, like way worse than what we saw in little torrents today. They're out in the middle of the ocean and the waves are going to kill them. And Jesus walks on the water towards them. But it says that when they saw him, they were afraid. They looked at him and they didn't see Jesus. They saw a ghost. And that is because fear distorts our reality. When we're afraid, we don't always see God for who he is. This fear was preventing them from seeing Jesus. So Jesus called out to them, and Peter, being impulsive, wanted to be close to Jesus right that second. It's like you couldn't just wait one more minute. Jesus was coming to the boat. But no, he wanted to be near Jesus so badly, probably because he was scared. And another reason was because he loved him so much, he couldn't wait one more minute. And he said, let me come to you call me and jesus did and it made me think when i'm afraid do i want god that badly am i desperate for him or am i too focused on the waves to even see him so peter stepped out of the boat stepped out of his comfort zone and walked to jesus and at that moment he had a choice he could look at jesus or he could look at the waves Peter took his eyes off Jesus for just a second, and that's when he started to sink. But even then, Jesus immediately picked him up out of the water and saved him. So sometimes the scariest place in the entire world is right where we're supposed to be, because Jesus is with us. So both of them got into the boat, and the storm immediately died down. So here we have Peter's everyday bravery, his personality, his experiences collided with supernatural bravery and allowed him to walk on water in the middle of a storm and I think that if we are able to combine our everyday bravery with supernatural bravery we're going to be able to get through any situation even the dentist (laughs) but what we need to know is that when we keep our eyes on Jesus he gives us that courage that we need to face whatever comes our way So you don't only need bravery in hard situations, you need bravery at church. You need bravery at home. You need bravery in your jobs. But you also need bravery to start pursuing dreams you have. Do any of you have dreams, things that you wanted to do maybe since you were little? It takes courage to do those things. It takes bravery. I think that little kid in all of us who used to be brave is fighting against the adult who's in us telling us to be safe. But God did not call us to be safe. God called us to be courageous. So I mentioned that one of the ways that God calls us to be brave is with our dreams. And one of the dreams that God placed on my heart about three years ago was to write a book. In October of last year, I was laying in bed one night and thinking ahead to Christmas. And like, you know, I love making gifts, but I'm not really a Pinterest person. And I don't like making things, but I knew that I wanted to give something heartfelt. And I had this idea to write a book of devotions and give it out as a Christmas present to my, my close friends and family. Well, one of my jobs that I have is speaking to MOPs groups and traveling. And I'll have anywhere between like 6 to 12 speaking engagements a year at MOPs groups. And one of the things that comes up frequently when I talk to these moms is that they want to be close to the Lord, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to find time to spend with God when they're constantly interrupted, and they're trying to take care of everything, and it it just... It can be frustrating. So I really wanted to write a book specifically for these moms for that purpose. And I wanted it to be short 10-minute devotionals that would help them to reconnect with God. So I had this idea. And at the time, I was working a job. And I had no, no extra time to write. Um, but one Sunday morning, I was sitting at church. And I knew that God was telling me to quit my job. And I also knew that if I quit my job, we would have no income for the next couple months, and Christmas was coming. So how was I going to quit my job? How was this going to work? I was asking myself all these questions, and I was nervous. But I got home from church, and I just couldn't shake it. And I didn't even tell my husband. I, he, he literally came home. I said, guess what? I just quit my job. And it was like 1 o'clock, and he's like, oh, my gosh. So... said, it's okay, babe. God told me to do it. He's like, right. (laughs) Well, um, I had no idea what was going to happen, but it was a huge step of faith. And literally the day after I quit that job, I felt like I need to write this book now because I'm not going to have another chance to do it. As soon as I get another job, I'm going to lose out on, on these minutes. So literally for six weeks, night and day, I was working to get this book done so that I could, it had to be done by December 5th in order to have it sent to the printer and and published. And it's it's one thing to have a dream, it's another thing to actually do it. And every day I was working on this dream, I was so frustrated, not with the writing process, but I chose to self-publish this book, and I, I had gone to a conference and I learned how to do it, but it was beyond anything I had expected and I was just ready to quit almost every day and I joked with my husband and with my mom I was like mom I know you used to be a Lama's teacher and I just want you to know that that came in very handy during the process of writing this book because I was in the office like <sighs> and I didn't use it during childbirth but I used it during writing this book so on December 5th it was done And the proof came in the mail and I was so excited. But when it came time to actually like tell people I had done this and give it out as Christmas present, I became very afraid. I thought, what if people don't like it? What if they don't like the picture? What if nobody cares that I did this? What if no one wants to buy it? And what if I fail? And everybody knows that I just did this. And what if I fail? But I knew that I needed to do this afraid. And I needed to be brave. And to me, this was personally where my everyday bravery collided with supernatural bravery. Because I knew I could not do this without the Lord. He had laid this on my heart. And this was a project for him. So I could get discouraged by the process and the details. Or I could submit those to him and ask him for courage to move forward. And he came through. It was really very little of what I did, and all God. This book has now been out now for about two months. The whole process has been scary. I have to stay away from Amazon.com because the first day I got a four-star review instead of five, I almost had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) But every day, we have a choice to be brave. You might not be writing a book, but what you are doing is just as brave as long as you are doing what God has called you to do. So earlier this week, if you ever see me on Facebook, you probably asked, you probably noticed that I asked this question, when was the time that you were brave? And I was so happy that 23 people responded to that question, and I was amazed by some of these responses, and I wanted to share some of them with you. One person wrote, I forgave a man who killed my brother. Someone wrote, I went to my son's college graduation after his passing three weeks before. Somebody else said, I was pregnant and put out a fire in front of my neighbor's house. Another woman wrote, I went to college while working full time. Somebody said, I helped a motorcycle accident victim on the side of the road. Another friend said, we met an eight-year-old boy and adopted him six months later. Another person said, I sold everything I had and went on the mission field. One woman said, I moved from New Jersey to California by myself. Another woman said, I got pregnant again after having a severely disabled child. God calls all of us to be brave in very different ways. So I just want to be careful, though, that when we hear things like that, we're not comparing ourselves to them, saying, oh, that's so awesome they did that. I haven't done anything. And a friend of mine said that. She said, oh, I feel I was going to respond, but I decided not to because I realized I haven't been brave. And I said, you have been brave. You gave birth to four babies with no epidural. Laughter And you homeschooled all of them. That's total bravery. So I want to encourage you with three things tonight. And the first thing is you are brave. The second is you are called to do amazing things. And God wants you to start dreaming again. You are never too old to start pursuing a dream that God has placed in your heart. Even if that dream started when you were five years old. And you have access to the Holy Spirit who has given you the power and the courage to face whatever obstacle is in front of you. So he will give you the the bravery to move forward with your dreams and also the bravery that you need to get through whatever situation that you're facing in your life tonight. He wants to give you new dreams and new courage. So tonight I want to encourage you to go and be brave. Will you pray with me? God, every single woman that walked into this room tonight has a story of the way that they've been brave. And I pray if anybody's doubting that, that you would bring to mind situations where they've done that, God. But I know there's people here tonight that maybe don't have a relationship with you, and they have never understood that you want to give them power and courage that they've never known before. And so I pray for everybody here, God, that you would really encourage us tonight and let us know that that you are there we just have to reach out to you God we just have to keep our eyes focused on you and not on the storms around us and you will give us the courage we need I pray for those battling things that seem so overwhelming and so scary that they don't feel they can handle it I just pray that you would specially touch them tonight God and let them know that you're with them and for those people God that have a dream tucked away deep inside I pray that you would Begin to reemerge those dreams, God, and remind them that you haven't forgotten about them and that you have a plan for them, God. Help us to be open to the new dreams that you have for us and the new things you want us to do, Lord. And I just pray that everybody who is in this room would feel a sense of your peace and your presence and that they would leave knowing that you're with them and you will give them the courage they need, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So, if you're interested, there's books available at the back. I can sign them if you want. If that's your thing, <laughs> there's also gift baskets, um, teacups, stuff like that. So, thank you so much for coming, and I want to turn it back over to Denise.